Thank you. You know, uh, Ann and I were out yesterday afternoon for a couple hours or so, and well, that's about all we could handle was a couple hours in Lawrence, Kansas during the Christmas season and a basketball game. Um, you know, it's real easy to get kind of lost, the, the Christmas story to get kind of lost in it this time of the year. We get really super busy. We get focused on so many other things. Um, sometimes things happen that aren't pleasant, and uh, we lose sight of Christmas. We lose sight of Jesus a little bit, and so that's why we uh, really focus on the Advent story uh, through Christmas, to kind of draw us all back, back to where the focus should be, and that's on Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, amen. Let's look in Luke's chapter 1, starting in verse 26 today. Let's talk about the supernatural part of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, Luke says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a woman named Joseph, a, descendant, a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Let's pray together. Amen. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you for Jesus who was born of a virgin who came to this world to, to die for us. That he would shed his blood on that wooden tree, that cross. That little innocent baby who was born 2,000 some years ago did all of that for us. And he came back to life, Lord. After three days, just as he promised, just as he told his disciples then. And we uh, celebrate that today as we uh, eat the bread and drink the cup later at the end of the service. Lord, we, uh, we need you to constantly focus our minds and hearts on a true Christmas story. The story of your son coming to be born of a virgin. Coming to be born in this world that we might have hope and joy and be called the children of God. And so today, as I share this message, I pray, Father, you would speak through me, that your spirit would touch each person's heart today, encourage and strengthen and bring joy and light to their life, Lord, whatever they're going through right now. Help them to be unburdened by the cares of this world and instead focus on you and on your son and all the things that you've done for us. You are truly a good and great father, and we praise and thank you for that. And we ask, Father, that you would uh, speak to us right now. Uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. And Baptists, we don't like to talk about the, the mystical parts of the Christmas story. Those supernatural parts, like what I just read about with this angel, uh, they tend to stretch their imagination a little bit. We're, we want to be linear thinkers. We want to be people who think rationally, right? We like to be known as rational people, logical people. And the Christmas story can stretch our imagination. And we get nervous about the unexplainable, don't we? We can't explain something. We get really nervous about that because the world wants, wants to know. The world wants to know, how does it all come about? Why do you believe what you believe? 
And when we can't explain something like the virgin birth, it makes us nervous. But there is something mysterious. There is something supernatural about the birth of Christ. There's angels are involved. A strange star in the sky. Uh, Mary was a virgin and she conceived of a child. It does sound fantastical, doesn't it? Amen? It, it does sound fantastical. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. It is fantastical. More and more people today believe the Christmas story is just that, a story. That it's no more fact than Horton Hears a Who, or The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, or The Peanuts Christmas Story. It's just another story that we tell in our culture uh, just to be part of this time of the year. A Christmas story can't possibly true, be true the way the Bible says it is, right? It's just too supernatural. People will say, you know, you're crazy if you believe all those things, all that stuff. But that's what Luke wrote. That's what Luke said 2,000 years ago. He wrote it down. That's what he said. And he's a lot closer to the actual events, to the actual Christmas story, than the skeptics who scoff and laugh at it today. I, I tend to lean towards Luke than I do the skeptics. Look over at chapter 1, verse 1. Luke begins his gospel, and I like the way he does this. He's, he's a Greek doctor, a physician, and he's kind of outside the circle, and he comes in, and he becomes part of the Christian faith, and he, so he begins to write out his gospel. Look what he says. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. He's talking about Jesus there. He's talking about the apostles and the other disciples, the men and women who knew Jesus and watched him do things. Verse 3, Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seems good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. He says, look, you know, I wasn't there at this particular junction, but hey, I'm here and I went and I checked. I looked, I asked questions. And I wrote it all down. I put it in an orderly account. It's my gospel for you. And then look what he says there in verse 4. So that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. Luke says, I put all this down in an orderly account so you can be certain that what I've written is true to the best of my knowledge, to the best of my ability, to the best of my investigation. You can trust this. It's my, it's my record of the eyewitnesses who were there. And so I tend to lean towards Luke than I do the skeptics. And I think you can too. And I want to encourage you to believe in the supernatural aspects of the Christmas story. Luke wanted to help people who came after the first century, after those er first early believers, to believe that Jesus Christ, really his life, really did happen the way the gospel says it did. Even the supernatural parts that include the angels. That includes a, a concept, a, a Virgin, virginal conception. And I want you to realize what Luke wants us to know is that we can know the certainty of the things that we've been taught. Not everybody was raised in a Christian home. How many of you were raised in a Christian home? Go ahead and raise your hand. Lots of you were. Believe it or not, I wasn't. And lots of people weren't. So we have to have something to lean on. And I lean on the Bible. Even though I wasn't raised by Christian family, parents and family, I really lean on the Bible because I trust it. I think you can too, and I think others can as well. Luke began with the beginning of Jesus' life at his conception. You know, that's interesting to me because, you see, he believed, Luke believed that life begins at conception. Our world is all arguing about all that. When does life begin? 
Does it begin when the brain is fully formed? Does it begin, begin when the heart begins to beat? Uh, I, say, I say that life begins at conception. Because that's when God begins it all. It all starts right then. And so that's where he started the Christmas story. And so that's why I just trust in him. And this is true about Jesus' life also. Not only was his birth supernatural, not only was his conception supernatural, his entire life was in supernatural events. For example, he proved he controlled nature by calming the storm, and he had eyewitnesses. He had a boat full of other guys. And they weren't fishing, so they weren't going to come back and tell big stories about the fish they caught. They could tell the truth. He actually calmed those storms. That's supernatural, right? You can control if you can control nature. That's supernatural. He controlled demons. He made demons submit to him. That's supernatural. Yeah. He died and rose up again to life after three days, just as he said. That has to be supernatural. Yeah. So why shouldn't the Christmas story also be supernatural? Why is that so hard to believe? Christmas story begins supernaturally with a supernatural being called an angel. Point number one on your outline this morning. An angel named Gabriel spoke to Mary. The whole story begins supernaturally. There's, there's this supernatural thread just weaving its way through this whole story. Angels. Angels are spirit beings. They're servants of God. They're supernatural messengers sent to this world for all kinds of reasons and purposes and missions. Some are good and some are bad. Some of those reasons why they are sent are, are good. Like here. And some are bad, like they have to go do something that's really harsh. And so the Christmas story begins with an angel speaking to Mary. Look at verse 26 and 27. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. He's, God sends this angel named Gabriel. I like the fact that he names the angel here. This is not just a, a throwaway angel. This is not just some casual hangabout angel. This is an angel called Gabriel. I've never seen an, an actual angel, have you? I mean, actual from heaven. I've seen the ornaments and all that. I've never seen an actual angel. I'll admit that. Even when I was drinking, I never saw an actual angel. I saw other things maybe at times, but never an actual angel. I've never been visited in a dream. I've never had a vision. I've never seen an angel in real time. He's never come and sat in my car. Never seen any of that, but I believe they exist. And hey, I got two degrees, so they ought to, right? Just because I have two degrees. That's what our culture loves to say. Well, I have these two degrees in this field of study, and so you should believe everything I say. No, I, I, you can believe what I'm saying here because the Bible says it first. That's why. And who cares about the degrees I have? They don't mean anything. This means I can study books and answer questions. I actually believe what Luke says here in verse 26 and 27 is true. I'm convinced of it. An angel named Gabriel appeared to Mary. Why would God send an angel to Mary to this young girl? I'm sure he had lots of reasons that I can't understand. But I think this, I think God wanted to show us the supernatural world really exists. I think he wanted to show us logical, linear thinking people that the supernatural world really does exist around us. We just can't see it. And I believe he wanted to prove that he also exerts sovereignty there as much as he does in this life, in this world as well. I think that's why he did it. To prove who he is. To give us more proof and more ability to trust in him. Gabriel is a very special angel. 
He's very special. His name means strong man of God. I like that, don't you? I kind of wish that was my name. I like that. Gabriel, strong man of God. He's referred to as an archangel. And that simply means he is the highest ranking angel in heaven. He's not the only one. There are others, but, but he is in the highest rank of angels. To be an archangel is to be a superior angel. Now, all angels are created beings, just like you and I are created beings. But they don't get promoted. They don't work their way up. They don't earn rank like you do in the military or get a promotion in the workplace. When God created the angels, He put each of them in their own place of service. So they all have their own things to do. They're all created for a reason. And God has that reason in mind when He created them. And so He created this angel named Gabriel to be an archangel, to be a very special angel to only go on certain missions for God. He's only sent on the most important tasks. And that's it. Like this one. He went to Mary and he says to her in verse 28, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I like that, don't you? Yeah, if an angel, I wish, if I ever meet an angel, if I ever meet an angel, especially if it's Gabriel, I hope it's what he says to me. Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's what I want to hear. Or maybe this, uh, the well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear those things. I want to hear these affirming statements by this angel or by God himself. It means God found Mary to be acceptable. He found her to be worthy, to be valued. It's a statement of affirmation. He's affirming to Mary her standing with God that he finds her favorable. Not the angel, but God does. I think Mary needed to hear this. I think she did. I think she needed to hear that. After all, she was a young girl, a young woman. She didn't have a great name. She wasn't from a great, important family. She was from a little nowhere town called Nazareth. A little country town out in the middle of nowhere. I've always liked the fact that God uses different kinds of people in His plan. Just look around the room and all the different people that are here this morning and think about how different we all are and how He uses us in different ways. Think about the people God has used. Moses was a failed prince. He couldn't make it in Egypt. Joshua was born a slave became the most powerful general in all of Israel's history. Led them across the Jordan River, something Moses didn't get to do. Simple fishermen like Peter and James and John and Andrew. The ladies from both sides of the street, the good and the bad. Even shepherds. Shepherds who were looked down upon and, and saw as someone who wasn't quite equal with other people. Even they had a supernatural event, had a supernatural encounter. On Christmas night. Listen to Luke chapter 2 verse 8. It says, there were, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But an angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Wow. How would you like to have been one of those shepherds? There's a mixed bag there. They had this supernatural encounter, all these angels, and they pray. They hear the angels singing and praising God, and they got to hear about the Savior coming for them. But they were terrified. Terror is probably the, the most common reaction we would all have if we had an angel come to see us. We'd all be terrified. I'm sure I would be. If we saw an angel from heaven, it would scare the heck out of us, the deacons out of us. 
But there is something else that added to the shepherd's terror that night. Look again. The glory of the Lord shone around them. This is, this is, the glory of the Lord is like His presence. It's, it reminds us that He's present here. And there's something overwhelmingly powerful about His glory that causes us to be afraid. Why is that? Because He's all-powerful? Yeah. Because He has the power to cast us into hell? Or receive us and take us into heaven? But that did not happen to Mary. Did you notice that in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 28? Did you notice how she wasn't terrorized when Gabriel visited her? I wonder if God was being careful here to not overwhelm Mary. I think He might have been. I think He was treating her differently. It shows us that God approaches people in different ways. Why? Because people are all different. We're all different. We all have different reactions to different events. And so he didn't want to terrorize Mary, but he didn't mind scaring the heck out of those shepherds. And that's just the way he wanted to deal with it. Don't lose sight. Don't lose the sense of the supernatural in the Christmas story this year. Don't let Santa Claus push that off. We watched a Santa Claus show last night with Kurt Russell. It was funny, cute, but it doesn't replace the true Christmas story. It's funny, they're funny, but they don't replace the actual story. Don't lose that sense of supernaturalness in Christmas. God put it in the Christmas story for a reason, to get our attention. Because we are so distracted, we are so caught off guard by all kinds of things. He put the supernatural here in this so that we'd pay attention. The supernatural is like a thread that's woven throughout Jesus' birth, throughout his entire life, and even at his death and resurrection. The supernatural is all the way through Jesus' entire life story. Even at His death, even at His resurrection. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sense of that. And number two, Gabriel told Mary she was going to be part of something supernatural. She was going to have a role to play in this whole thing. Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at His words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. The appearance of this angel was troubling to Mary. It's what Luke tells us right here. He describes it to us. But she was also troubled at his words and what he said. She probably wondered, what did he mean? What did, who is this angel? What does he mean? And what am I being chosen for? She probably had all kinds of thoughts. She might have wondered, was this supernatural interaction real? Was she, really, was she seeing this or was it imaginary? She probably was trying to question that as well. Whatever was going through her mind, she was troubled. So Gabriel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. He comforts her. He repeats this statement of favor to her so that it calms her down. You know, if you read your Bible carefully and you watch the angels, angels are often present when God's judgment falls on people. Angels took Lot and his daughters and led them and his wife and led them out of Sodom before, the, before God judged the city. And the, and, and the judgment fell. And the angels were there then. But Gabriel, this angel, spoke reassuringly to Mary. That he tells her she, what, he, what she's selected for. Look at verse 31. He says, you'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him a name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign on the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. 
she heard that she was going to be part of something really supernatural, something that was beyond her. She also heard that her baby would be very different from any other baby in this world. Isn't that something? How many of you, you know, were present when your grandchildren were born or your kid, obviously the ladies, mothers, you were present. Fathers, were you present when your kids were born? Wasn't that the most amazing thing when you first held your baby? Whether it's the first, second, third, fourth, whatever, it's always a special moment, right? And then the grandbabies start to show up, and that's really awesome because, you know, you're not responsible. But that baby is so precious, right? Isn't that something? Mary got to be part of something really different. As special as our kids are, our babies are, this baby was really special. This baby was really unique and different. He'll be called great and will be called the son of the most high. I like that, that term, that son of the most high, describes God in, in who he is, his personage. I like that. Mary heard her baby wasn't going to be born, wasn't going to be any different. I mean, was going to be very different than any other baby. He would not be an ordinary child. He'd be called the son of the most high. Man, and I'm sure that her mind began to race. That her mind began to have all kinds of thoughts and questions. And her heart had to throttle, fluttered, you know, maybe stopped and seized up a little bit. Uncertainty and confusion probably began to overwhelm her. Maybe she even doubted what Gabriel was saying to her. I don't know. At least for a minute, it had to be overwhelming. Maybe she did doubt, right? I mean, she was human. She wasn't supernatural. She was a human girl, a woman, young woman. You know who never doubted who Jesus is? You know there's somebody, there's a whole group of these beings that never doubted who Jesus is? This is the demons. They never doubted Jesus. They never were confused about who Jesus is or what he is. Not ever, not once. They knew exactly, and they still do, who and what Jesus is, and that Jesus is supernatural. They even said so. In Luke chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus stepped ashore. He gets out of this boat and he steps ashore. He's met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, son, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. That evil spirit, all the evil spirits know who Jesus is. They recognize Jesus. They're not confused or uncertain. And I find it incredible that Satan and his demons, they know Jesus, but so many people today refuse to accept who Jesus really is. They just can't quite take that in. They don't understand. He came to this world because we can't get to God on our own. And they don't understand all of that. And then the supernatural aspects kick in, and they really get confused. And they just simply refuse to believe. You know why? Because they need God to speak to them. God needs to speak to them. Isaiah 51.3, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I say everybody now, just about everybody in the world has heard about Jesus some way, somehow. But they don't believe. Many don't believe. God has to do a work that you and I can't do. We need to start praying about that. And we need to start living Christmas for what it really is. It's the birth of God's Son. It's the birth of God in this world to save us 
from our sins. That's what we're going to celebrate the Lord's table as we get ready to eat, uh, leave later. We're going to celebrate the fact that God in His grace and love sent His Son into this world so that we could be saved. Number three, Mary didn't understand at first. She didn't get this. She didn't understand at first. But guess, guess what? The supernatural isn't easy to understand. It simply isn't. We're human. We're limited in our knowledge, limited in our ability to understand things. Mary at first tried to understand the supernatural. She tried with her human wisdom, human reasoning. She says in verse 34, look at it. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? She goes, I don't understand all this, and I'm a virgin. I don't know how I'm going to give birth to a child. She struggled to understand this supernatural message. But the supernatural isn't easy to understand through our own ability. We can't. That's why we need God to move in our hearts and lives. That's why God sent Gabriel to Mary to explain what God had chosen her to do and to be. He only, Not only did He choose her to do something, He chose her to be something. This is true for you and I, by the way. We are created to do and be. We're to do what God's will is for each of us in our own lives. We're also called to be something. We're to be the people of God. What should we do when we struggle to understand the supernatural? When we struggle to accept and understand what God wants us to do? What do we do with all that? We should do what Mary did. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She didn't just blow this off. She didn't laugh. She just thought about it. She took all these thoughts home and she began to think about these things. To understand what God is doing in your life or wants to do in your life, you have to slow down. You have to set aside everything and just let God speak and listen to Him. Don't overact. Don't overact. And don't, get, don't go by your feelings. Don't go by what you're feeling because you might not be feeling very good that day. Do what Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. If you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to deal with what God wants you to do or is calling you to do, then you need to lean on Him. You need to let Him guide you. Not your feelings, not the world around you, but you. Let God lead you. Then Gabriel explained to Mary, what was going to happen. And I like this. He said, you're going to become pregnant in a very supernatural way. Look at verse 35 with me. The angel answered. I like the fact that there's an answer here to questions. Don't you? Amen? Because we have questions. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's pretty easy to understand. You don't have to have a degree to figure that out. The Holy Spirit was going to come upon you, going to be present in you, and, and, the whole, and God Himself will, will overshadow you somehow, and so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Wow. That's pretty easy to get. So just think about that. God has a way of making the supernatural easy to understand, but it's His way. It's not our way. We can't do this on our own. That's why we have to trust Him. That's why we need to acknowledge Him so that He'll make the crooked things straight for us to deal with. Jesus did this a lot. He dealt with people all the time. He had a conversation with a father who asked him to help his son who was possessed by a demon. And the father wasn't real sure, and Jesus confronts him with this. 
In Mark 9, verse 22, the father, says, the father goes to Jesus and he asks him to help. He explains his, his son is demon-possessed. And he's not real sure about Jesus. He says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus goes, if you can? He's talking to, you're talking to me, Jesus? If I can? Jesus asked. Everything's possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I think we need to say that more to God. I think we believe to a certain degree. It's easy to believe that God exists, right? It's easy to believe that God exists. Yeah, you look around at the world we live in, it's complex, it's beautiful, it's put together, it's got some chaos mixed in because of sin, but the world we live in is very beautiful. So it's easy to believe that God exists, but does God work in people's lives? I'm not so sure. Help my unbelief, God. That's what we need to be saying more often. Help my unbelief. Overcome my unbelief. Maybe at this time in your life, trusting in Jesus Christ seems like a big question mark. Or a, a maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. Give God time to speak to you more and more, and He will. But let me ask you, if you're ready, if you're really ready to trust in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, this church is here to help you. We're ready to help you. Christmas is about a relationship with God. And it's a relationship that doesn't end. It goes on into forever, for eternity. And we want to help you be ready for, for eternity. And guess what? You're invited into this. We invite everybody into this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord's table is all about. Our invitation song today, as we get ready, is Jesus, I come. Listen to this verse. Out of myself to dwell in thy love, Jesus, I come. Isn't that a great verse? Yeah, we have to come out of ourselves. We have to ask God to move us out of ourselves and into his love. And so that's what we're challenging you to do today. So let's stand and get ready to sing this song. Let's let let's God hear you singing this song this morning. Father, we thank you so very much for loving us. We thank you that... That these things are not hard. That God, you 